Welcome to Word of Life Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here, and wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will move to and through you from today's message. If this podcast helps you spiritually, will you consider helping us naturally? You can give online or become a monthly partner as we aim to help more ministries and release more content. You can give online today at thelife.cc. Enjoy today's message. Uh, we weren't going to start the Dealing With series uh, today, but I felt led by the Spirit to go in a different direction and to continue talking about prayer. And so let's open up revivals today to the book of Matthew. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 6. It's been our, our golden text throughout this series uh, based off of the Lord's Prayer. And while you're turning... Uh, I will go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come before you today. We love you. We honor you. We thank you for your spirit today. He is our teacher. And Father, that's what I ask, is that while we are talking, let him speak. Let him speak to the hearts of every man, woman, boy, and girl. Let him lead them and guide them into choices they need to make, things they need to see, truths they need to understand, And then when we leave this place, let him remind us to be doers of your word and not just hearers of it only. We love you, Father, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Jesus said the following in Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 6, but you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, And pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetitions as the Gentiles do, for they suppose they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your father knows what you have need of uh, even before you ask him. When you pray, pray then in this way, our father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, the Lord's Prayer was given because the disciples came to Jesus and said, teach us how to pray. And he gave them this prayer. It's not a prayer that he was praying. And we said this already in the series because in the prayer is the admission of sin and the need for repentance. It's a teaching to the church, to his disciples, which is us, on how to pray. And in the middle of the Lord's Prayer, we see um, a message that is being communicated without the fabric of the text. Um, In there, you don't see me. Um, In there, you don't see I. You see our, us, and we. In the teaching on how to pray, he said, our, us, and we. And when Jesus often taught on prayer, he taught about um, two things that I think we often leave out, and it's this. Number one, we pray with people, and number two, we pray for people. 
Um, Jesus in Matthew 18 and 19 said, again, I say unto you, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. And whatever they ask of the father, it will be given unto them. Again, I say unto you. So one of Jesus's common teachings and teaching on the subject of prayer is when you pray, pray together, pray with people. Now I'll always ask this in a way never to bring condemnation, but to bring examination. And there's a difference. Condemnation makes you feel bad for what you're doing. Examination makes you feel like, oh, I need to change. Uh, and so I ask this to, to ask you to examine your own heart. How often do you obey that teaching of Jesus where you come together with people to pray? Uh, where you find yourself in a group of community where you pray with that group over what you want to see God do. Something is violating his will in your life. Something is violating his will on the earth. How often do you get together and pray with someone about those things? Jesus said, again, I say unto you, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Our Father, who art in heaven, uh, give us, he's saying in the, the context of the Lord's pray with people. But not only that, we see Jesus often teach when he's teaching on the subject of prayer, pray for people. And this is what I want to get at today, the power of intercession, uh, Jesus, in his teaching on prayer, gave an example of this. He said there was a friend who was traveling and did not have resources for his travel. He ran out of gas money. And uh, out of this, he stops at a friend's house, and he knocks on the door and says, give me you know, food for my journey. And this friend looks in his house, and he sees in his life, I don't have what you need, but I know someone who does. And so he goes to his friend's house, which is symbolic of God, and he knocks on the door and he's saying to, to the friend, which is symbolic of God in the parable, I know what my friend needs in his life is in your house. I don't have enough to meet this need. I can't do anything about what they're facing, but I know you can. And so I am not going to stop knocking on this door until you give me what my friend needs. And Jesus says, this is how you pray. Now, throughout your life, here's what you're going to see. You're going to encounter needs all around you that when you encounter them, you can't do anything about them. There's going to be some teenagers you run across. They're not your kids. Uh, you can't discipline them. Uh, you wish you could. Uh, but you can't. They're not your kids. They're beyond the scope of your physical reach. What do you do? There's no bread in your house. What do you do? Do you take them to the Father and knock on the door until he moves? Um, you're going to come across coworkers that legitimately the financial needs that they're facing in their family right now, you can't do anything about it. So what do you do? Do you do nothing? Or do you go to the one who you know can do something, your heavenly father, and knock on his door until he moves in their life? Um, sometimes a grandchild or sometimes a, a distant relative is struggling with something. They're, they're walking down a path of sin that leads to sorrow. And you see this, and you're not at a place where you can speak directly to that naturally. But we often forget that we are at a place where we can speak to that spiritually. 
And, and what I want to do is to, to create an army of intercessors. People who know how to lay hands on man and lay hands on God and bring the two together. Throughout the ministry of Jesus, in fact, his first miracle is an act of intercession. Mary sees the need. Um, there is a wedding feast, and the groom has run out of, of resources for the wedding. Uh, this is going to bring shame into his life. Mary sees this, and she comes and arrests the master's attention to this need. And his first miracle was a miracle of intercession. Someone else seeing the need and someone else making the ask for someone who didn't know Jesus in that way to make the request. And because she is intervening, because she is interceding, because she is standing between God and man, we get a miracle. Uh, Jairus did this for his daughter. The centurion did this for his servant. Uh, Throughout the ministry of Jesus, we see people standing in the gap for people who had needs in their life that they could do nothing about, and Jesus moving on behalf of that. That is intercession. And I, I, in my own prayer life, this series has, has motivated me to pray more and more. And one of the things I find myself doing when I'm praying is the Holy Spirit drawing me to needs in the lives of people. And I have seen through this just how selfish my prayer life had become. That so many of my prayers centered around the things that I needed and the things that I wanted to see God do within the context of my church, within the context of my family, within the context of my needs. And we need people who know how to lay hold of God for you know, themselves, but we also must be people who are strong enough in God that we know how to lay hold of other people and bring them to the feet of the master and brings God's power into their lives. Uh, and so this is what intercession is. It is someone who is standing in the gap. And we do this for three primary reasons in Scripture. I want to draw your attention to these three things. I want to major on the third one, but we'll see just how far we get. Uh, But uh, one thing's for sure, we're going to talk about praying for others. Number one, the first reason why we intercede for people is sin demands judgment. Um, When someone is walking down a path of sin... That sin literally cries out for judgment. Now, we know this intrinsically because when you see sin done in a society, your reaction is somebody needs to do something. What is that? Their action cries out for judgment. Somebody needs to step up and stop this country from invading this country. Somebody must step up and fix this issue where where crime is breaking out. Like somebody somewhere must do something. Why is that? Because sin in and of itself cries out for judgment. It cries out for justice. And so from the beginning of time, all the way back from, from Cain and Abel, Abel's blood cried out for justice in the earth. It cried out for consequence that came on the life of Cain. And whenever there is sin in somebody's life, whenever there is sin in a nation, whenever there is sin in a government, whenever there is sin somewhere, which sin is just someone missing the mark, God has a standard and they're not hitting it, um, out of that, that sin literally cries out for the judgment of God. And an intercessor is someone who stands in the gap and gives that person space to repent. 
and light of heart. And that phrase has been big in me, light of heart. That people see and come to themselves the need to repent and change directions. Uh, We see many examples of this. Uh, if, uh, If you can, on the screens, let's put up Ezekiel. Uh, Ezekiel and the King James, this is a common verse of scripture, but we're going to see government missing it, uh, the church missing it, and then people individually missing it. And I want you to watch what God wants. Uh, here you see the government, her princess within her, the, the, the people who are in authority within the government, uh, are like wolves tearing the prey, meaning the, the citizens are the prey. The, the government officials don't care for them. They're, they're like wolves tearing the sheep uh, by shedding blood and destroying lives in order for, for money. It's all based off of taking advantage of the citizens for dishonest gain. So you've got a problem there in government. Then it goes to the church. Her prophets have smeared whitewash for them, seeing false vision and coming up with lies for them, saying, thus says the Lord when the Lord is not spoken. Uh, And then it goes on a personal level. So now you see your house, my house. The people of the land have practiced oppression and committed robbery. And they have wronged the poor and the needy and have oppressed the sojourner without justice. So there's not justice being done in the land and the people are okay with it. Now all of this is bad. Why is this bad? Because wherever there is sin, it cries out for judgment. And so God, in knowing this, knows if they continue down this path of sin, judgment is going to come to this person. Judgment is going to come to the house of God. Judgment is going to come to a nation. So watch the next verse. I search for a man. And this is God's heart. I'm searching for a person who is among them who would build up the wall and stand in the gap before me for the land so that I would not destroy it, but I found no one. His heart is for an intercessor uh, to come in and see that these people, the nation, the church, uh, the people of the land are headed in a direction that is going to bring destruction. And God's heart is, I'm looking for someone in the earth who will stand in the gap. They have torn down the spiritual wall where the enemy can get in. And there's a gap in their wall. And and in a, a nation like Jerusalem, the walls were everything. It was their system of defense to stop the enemy from getting in. Paul put it this way, give no place to the devil. Give him no place. And when I sin, I am giving place to the devil. I I am opening up a door for him to come in and bring destruction to still kill and destroy. And the intercessor sees in this area, the nation, the people, the church, whomever, there is a break in the defense. And if it doesn't get filled by something, the enemy is coming in. And if he comes in, there will be consequences for the sin that is there. And I'm not going to let that happen for my kids. And I'm not going to let that happen for my grandkids. And I'm not going to let that happen for my father. And I'm not going to let that happen for my my mother. And I'm not going to let that happen for my nation. And I'm not going to let that happen for my city. And someone somewhere says, I will stand in the gap of the wall. And I will stand here and not let the enemy in here until they have the sense and come to themselves to fill in that gap. And God said, I search for someone to do that. And you know what I found? 
No one. And I, I love this phrase that he uses because I think the, the Bible and Scripture and the Spirit is very intentional. I saw it for a man among them. There are people you know who have your heart. There are people you know that there's a, a divine love for them in you. And there are people that I have in my life that, that are not in yours, that, that the Lord has just arrested my heart. And the more I walk with him, the more I get a heart for them. And there are causes. There are people in this room, there are causes you have on your heart that are not in mine. It is among you. When you see it like Nehemiah, other, everybody else is in the story of Nehemiah. Everyone else is walking around Jerusalem's walls that are torn down. It does not bother them. It bothered Nehemiah. When he heard about it, he wept for days. And he began to intercede for that situation. He began to go before God to lay hold of this desire. And when you have something like that in your life, God is calling you to take on the ministry of intercession and to pray for this situation. God's not showing you that so you can talk about it. God is not showing you that so you can be alarmed by it. God is not showing you that so that you can see uh, if they don't change, bad things are going to happen. Like, golly, they need to change directions. Golly, this issue needs to change. He's not showing you that so you can just sit on the fence about it. He's showing you that because he is searching for a man and a woman to stand in the gap for that area and for that person and say, you are not having this. You are not having my city. You are not having my family. You are not having my child, I am standing in the gap. And I'm praying that this is resisted. I'm praying the light comes on so they see the need to rebuild the wall. I sought for a man to stand in the gap. I found no one. An example of this in scriptures in the book of Genesis, there was a man by the name of Abraham who walked with God. Not only did he walk with God, but he walked with people, which is all of our goals. And there was somebody in his life that he loved by the name of Lot. You know the story. Uh, Lot um, was not a man of wholesome values or integrity, but Abraham loved him, and he had a heart for him. And Lot um, sets up his life where he looks at sin, and the danger of uh, looking at something long enough is whatever you focus on, you will always move in the direction in. Whatever you focus on, you will always move in the direction in. And he focused on it long enough until he was in it. And he lived in it long enough until it got in him. He focused on it until he was in it. He lived in it until it lived in him. And it's a place called Sodom and Gomorrah. You know the story. And so their sin in Sodom is crying out for judgment. And somebody says, the people are? No, the sin of the people is crying out for judgment. It was the same thing of the, the heart when Noah's flood happened. God came down and saw the sin of the, the, the nation, of the world, is crying out for judgment. That every one of their hearts is evil and violent towards God and people. And he saw, like, there's got to be something that, that happens here. And so he comes, and watch how this plays out in the book of Genesis. They'll put it up on the screens. Maybe. Are we Genesis 18, verse 17. The Lord said, watch this, the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Now, stop right here. There are things, if you are walking with God, you are seeing 
Get this. There are things you are seeing in the lives of people that other people genuinely are not seeing. And because God is saying unto you, I'm not going to hide this from you. And the reason why you're seeing this, do not let it just be a blimp where it's like, I don't know why I keep thinking about so-and-so. Do not let it just be a blimp. God is saying, I will not hide from my intercessors. Like I search for a man, I search for a woman to stand in the gap. And he says, shall I hide from Abraham what I do? Since Abraham will surely become a great and mighty nation and in him all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Watch this, it keeps going out. For I've chosen him so that he may command his children and his household. And this is powerful. Why did God pick him? He will command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteous and justice so that the Lord may uh, bring upon Abram what he's spoken to him. And he's about to show him what he's about to do. Now watch this. And the Lord said unto him, the outcry. Now the outcry of what? It's not the people. It's the sin of the people. The outcry of Sodom and Gomorrah is indeed great and their sin is exceedingly grave. Watch this. And Abraham came near and to, to God and said this, will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? And so what is this? It's intercession. Why is God showing Abraham this? He's showing him this because God delights in mercy. He does not delight in judgment. He wants it to stop. But he needs a voice in the earth. He needs a voice in the earth that is louder than the cry of the sin. And Abraham sees, he's showing Abraham this because God delights in mercy. He wants mercy for Sodom and Gomorrah. And so God is showing Abraham this, and Abraham begins to intercede. And, and Abraham says, suppose there are 50 in the city, 50 people in the city. Will indeed you sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the 50 righteous who are in it? He is interceding for this city. He goes all the way down to 10. And I wish you would have gone all the way down to one. Because there were no righteous in the city, but God, out of his mercy, came with angels, and you got to, the story is phenomenal, came with angels and took Lot and his family out of Sodom and Gomorrah. The problem was, is the angels could take them out of the city, but they couldn't take the city out of them. And so Lot's wife looks back, and Lot's daughters, it's just a mess. But the, their life would have ended that day without Abraham's intercession. It gave, it gave Lot more time. And this is what happens when you, you pray for people, is it gives people more time. Um, the Bible talked about in Revelations that there was this woman who was in the church that was causing the church to commit uh, very bad sin. And in the middle of this, she's in the church, taking the church in a direction of very bad sin. And God said, I've given her space to repent. And when you are praying for people who are going in the wrong direction, what you are doing is you're lengthening the space to repent because your cry will be greater than the cry of their sin. And so it delays that attack because you're standing in the gap of the wall. And, and out of this, this is what Jesus did. He's our high priest who makes intercession for us forever. 
And when he is on the cross, what is he doing? He's interceding. He's suspended between heaven and earth. Get this in your heart. He's suspended between heaven and earth. Heaven is above him. Earth is beneath him. He's standing in between God and man. And what is his prayer? Father, do what? Father, do what? Forgive them because their sin is crying against them. What's it crying out for? Judgment. And so he is saying, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. They have been blinded. And what Satan does in the lives of people is he blinds their eyes. They genuinely don't see, if I continue in this direction, they don't see the consequence. And he has worked so heavily, according to 2 Corinthians 4.4, to blind their eyes where they don't see what they need to do. And they need people to pray until like the prodigal, you remember in the story of the prodigal? It says, and when he came to himself. And there was this light bulb moment that just by the spirit of God, he just awakens and he's like, I can't keep living like this. I can't keep taking my life in this direction. I, I can't keep going down here. Like, I don't want to pay this consequence. And he comes back to the Father. And so when you're praying for people, God's showing you the people he's showing you. Things are coming to your heart because God will not hide what he does in the earth from his intercessors. Things come in your heart, and when those people come, you are to pray for those people. Do not put it off as like, ah, I don't know why this person is coming, or so-and-so. No, pray for those people. Pray for those things. Your irritation points in people are your prayer points. Your irritation, if it irritates you in government, it's your prayer point for government. If it, it's not your complaint point, it's your prayer point. God is searching for people who can stand in the gap. There's a gap there. You see the gap. Why do you see the gap? Because you are called by God to pray and to stand in the middle of that gap to stop the enemy from still killing and destroying, to give people space to repent and light in their heart. Uh, the second reason why we intercede for people, I've got to hurry. I spent more time on that than I wanted to. Number two is clarity over God's will. Clarity over God's will. We just said at 2 Corinthians 4, 4, Satan blinds the eyes of people. And this is not just in concerning sin, but this is also concerning God's plan for their life. We were sent, not born. Sent by God. Birthed through, through women, but sent by God. For plans and purposes in the earth. And Satan will do whatever he can to hide uh, God's will from us. And we reach, in all of our lives, we reach pivotal points. Pivotal points. Uh, will you serve God or not? What college will you go to? Do you go? What job do you take? Do you make the move or not? Um, do you walk away from the church or not? There are moments, pivotal pain moments in the lives of people where if they make the wrong choice in that pivotal pain moment, if they make the wrong choice there, it will take their life off track for years. And, and Satan uses these pain moments to try to sift them like wheat, to try to take the valuable and, and, and remove it from their life, the call of God and remove it from their life. When my father passed away, I was in a pivotal pain point. And I, I say this a lot of like in that season after the, the, the funeral service, a peace that passes all understanding came on my life. Truly, it came on my life. And out of that peace, I made the exact right choice for six months. 
in the middle of, and, and this is why it's important. If I made any other decision from my pain versus my plan, the plan of God for my life, I would not be standing here today. But God's grace came on me in that moment that when Satan through that pain tried to sift me like wheat, I know I made it through it because the prayers of the saints and God aligning their hearts to pray for me so that after the sifting that I would come back to the call that God had for me. And, and I want to, to ask you who in your life, maybe it's a grandson, maybe it's a, a, a husband, maybe it's um, um, you know, a relative or a friend, but they are going through a pivotal moment. They need to be covered in prayer. Go over to Colossians. This is one of my favorite verses uh, concerning this. Colossians chapter 4 in verse number 12. Uh, I love the book of Colossians. I love all scripture. But Colossians has become a favorite of mine here lately. Um, Colossians 4 in verse number 12. Watch this. Epaphras, who is one of your number. Now notice, what is he? He's among you. He has a heart for you. He's one of your number. He's one of your tribe. He's one of your people. He knows you. Watch this. Epaphras, who is one of your number, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, may that be for each one of us, sends you his greetings, watch this, always laboring earnestly for you in prayer. Well, Why? that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Now, let me ask you this. Who is doing that for you? And who are you doing that for? Who, who, who has your heart so much that you are always laboring, working fervently for them in prayer? Why? Because I know if I don't, there's a good shot. They will not stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Somebody somewhere has to pray for you. Somebody somewhere has to, to have your heart that you are praying for them. That you contend for the will of God in their life. That you contend for God's work to be... If you have kids... You have to labor fervently in prayer for them that they stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Prayer can't make them serve God, but prayer will give them a grace to serve God. Prayer can't make them go down the narrow road. Prayer will give them grace to go down the narrow road. And somebody, we got to pray for our kids we got to pray for our grandkids. We've got to pray for these people who are walking through this world. We've got to pray for them. Somebody has to labor fervently for them in prayer. It's got to touch our hearts. It's got to do more than make us talk to our spouses. It's got to make us do more than talk to our teachers. 
It's got to do more than make us talk to principles. We've got to have a heart that sees there is somebody who has the resources in their house that when these resources are given in life, it will satisfy the very essence of the need for my child. And so I'm not going to stop knocking on this door. I'm going to labor fervently in prayer until God intervenes in this situation. Lastly, number three, Intercessory prayer gives us power to make it through a trial. Power to make it through a trial. Um, In the Old Testament, in the book of Exodus, it's one of my favorite passages of Scripture because God spoke it to me years ago to uh, connect me with missions. And we actually have one of our missionaries today here, Mark Taylor. Stand up, Mark. I want to embarrass you. Mark is an amazing man of God. Um, he has a, a ministry all over a particular nation. I don't know what I can all say on, you know, because people, governments, you know, need prayer. Need someone to stand in the gap. Uh, but um, ministry all over rescuing people um, who have been trafficked and, and getting them out of that. And uh, just a wonderful ministry and setting up Christian schooling and just wonderful. And every time you give to Word of Life, part of that goes to Mark and his ministry. And so thank you to all of you who give. You not only do all of this, but you help him do all of that. Um, so um, we have these, this story in Exodus where Joshua is in a battle that he can't win in his own strength. He is in something that if he is left to his own strength, he is going to lose. And Moses sees this and he goes up to the top of a hill. He leaves Joshua in the field and he goes up to a higher place. And he lifts up the authority of God over Joshua. And as long as the authority of God is over Joshua, Joshua is winning a battle that he would not win without that power coming from Moses you have this elder man of God lifting up a young man of God who is in get this his first battle he's in his first battle and this older man of God knows it's not by flesh and blood we'll win this I've been this route before And we're not going to win this just with swords and spears and lining everything up physically. We're going to win this with the authority of God. And he goes up to this mountain and he's lifting up his authority. But he gets tired in the middle of the lifting. And this often happens in prayer because so oftentimes when we're praying in a moment, we want like the microwave results where it's like, it's hot now. Like Krispy Kreme, the sign comes on and it's like, yes. But sometimes in laboring fervently for you in prayer, it's not fighting against God. It's fighting against an enemy who wants to do everything in his power to stop God from breaking through. And so he gets tired. And the, the Lord deals with him to sit down and deals with the hearts of two other men to come and lift up his arms, Aaron and her, so that he can keep sending his spiritual authority in the direction of Joshua. 
And I, I love this because Joshua is winning a, a victory that he wouldn't win without that spiritual authority. And, and God has to tell Moses after the battle is over, make sure you do something. Make sure you go to Joshua and you rehearse in his ears how this battle was won. Because how young people tend to think is the way I made this through it is I fought. I did it. I worked hard and we were about to lose, but then I came through and I just got a little bit more strength and I was just able to pick myself up a little bit more. And God told Moses, no, you better come to him and tell him the secret of war. You better come and you better rehearse in his ears. Let me tell you what happened. When you were left to your own strength, you were losing every time. But when somebody somewhere in a high place was sending you spiritual power, there was spiritual power that was hitting your life, helping you win a war that you wouldn't win without that spiritual authority. He said, rehearse it in his ears. Go over it again and again. Let me tell you, young men, this is how we win. We win with prayer. We win with spiritual authority. We don't win in our own strength. How am I going to win the battle? You're going to pray your way through. How's this going to turn around in business? You're going to act like you have a God. You're going to contend. You're not going to labor in your own strength. You're going to learn from the generations that came before you. This is how we do this. We don't do this with fighting. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. We pass on a legacy of prayer. We pass down a spirit of prayer. We pass on a knowledge of a king and a kingdom that when we pray, his will in heaven is able to be done on the earth. Joshua... This is how you fight your battle. And Joshua learned it because his first battle in the promised land was a walled city that in the natural he couldn't beat, so he just shouted his way. Don't you love that? Don't you love the idea of the next generation after you learning to shout their way through a battle? Don't you love the idea of your kids and your grandkids in the middle of something? And they're like, how are we going to beat this? It's like, ah, I remember my Moses, my grandmother, my mom, my father came and prayed me through some things, came and lifted up their voice and turned some things around, came and stood in a gap until the attack was over. This is how I'm going to fight this battle. It's not going to be with flesh and blood. We're going to shout our way through. We're going to praise our way through. We're going to pray our way out. But it starts with us. It starts with you. Who is your Joshua in the field right now? Who is going through a battle that unless you pray for them, they are going to lose? Who right now is in a battle that that they are exhausting the level of human strength and they need a touch of the divine? Who is your Joshua? I want to encourage you. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us, Father. Father, I lift up, name them. Give them daily bread. They need provision. They need a word from you. They need mercy. They give, give them daily bread. Father, your will is not being done in their life. Father, I contend for that. Give us, 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 our Father. Let me pray for us today. Father, I thank you that we would be people who would intercede, that we would be people who would pray. 
that we would be people who would not complain and just see, but we would be people who walk with you and, and talk with you and fellowship with you. We would be people who know, like Moses, we have spiritual authority. And that we are not limited by flesh and blood to fix things in our families, nations, and churches. But Father, we have the spirit of the living God. The spirit who was over the earth in Genesis where there was nothing but darkness. But brought beauty from chaos by the power of your spoken word. And so, Father, we speak over our families. We speak over our sons and over our daughters. We speak over our grandsons and granddaughters. We speak over our friends. We speak over our relatives. And, Father, we know there may be chaos going on in their life. But, Father, we thank you the Holy Spirit of God can bring in structure, beauty, and grace. So, Father, we speak over them and we say, you do what only you can do. Arm them with strength. And Father, give us the spirit that you gave Epaphroditus where we will labor fervently in prayer for those that dwell among us that they may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. We love you, Father, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name.